Well, hello, church. Good to see everyone. You all look so good. Can you just smile for me? Then just it's just wonderful to see you. Uh, I'm Pastor Ruben. Welcome online. Thank you for joining us. And uh, if you're just joining us, uh, last time I preached was 11 weeks ago, March 20th. And uh, uh, this has been a journey. Uh, I, I was uh, I got ill and it affected some nerves, and that's the reason why I. I took a vacation at a hotel, St. Anthony's Resort, and uh, I was there for a little bit, and then I went home, and I, I walked around really slow. I'm still, right now, I'm still a little dizzy. I, it's just there, um, and just nerves take a while to heal, and uh, part of my face is still coming back. So um, I'm driving now, and someone, someone I wanted to go with me in the Xterra, and they asked me, Pastor Ruben, um, are you sure you're okay driving? You know, because, you know, they're getting in the car. And I said, yeah, I am. You just need to make sure you're prayed up. Make sure you don't have any unconfessed sin in your life. Make sure you're right with the Lord. And yeah, come on in. You'll be all right. And we'll go home soon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the worst thing that happens, we'll all go home together. And, uh, uh, but anyway, I'm still working through it. So if you're going to, if you want me to give you a ride, you just need to make sure you're right with the Lord and we can go for a ride. And it, it's, it's all, it's all good. Um, as this thing happened, you know, I told, I've shared with everyone, you know, I've been working through the why. You know, why has this happened, Lord? And then I, I dawned on me, you know, sometimes we go through things in life that just don't make any sense. You ever been there before? Go through things in life that just don't make any sense. And, uh, and it dawned on me, you know what? I don't think God needs to explain everything to me. I think he's God and I'm not. I think I need to learn to walk with him and trust him even when I don't know the, the why. And even when things aren't happening according to my timeline, even when the timing is terrible, like it happens three weeks before Easter, I still need to trust him, and I still need to walk with him. Have you been there before? Have you ever had your faith just rattled or, or, or your theology shaken? Or, or, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't go to church anymore today because they've been hurt. Right? There's a lot of people that just say, I don't want to go to church. I don't, I don't want to be, have anything to do with it because I had this experience way back when and it didn't make any sense. And now because of that, I just don't want to go to church anymore. Or I don't, call, I don't cry out to God anymore. Or now I worship God on my own. I don't go to church anywhere. I worship God in the mountains. Incidentally, when people tell me, oh, I don't do that. I don't go to church. I worship God in the mountains. I always think you're just a liar because I know you don't go to the mountains and just have an hour and a half of worship to God. I know that's not happening. You may admire it while you're drinking whatever around the fire, but you're not really worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. I want you to know that it's worth it, so you're going to help me out. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them it's worth it. Can you do that? Tell them it's worth it. Type it in the chat. Tell them it's, it's worth it. And let's pray, and we're going to start off this new series here. Uh, God, we humble ourselves before you, and we thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. I'm grateful, Lord, that you're a faithful God, even when we are not faithful. I'm grateful that your mercies are new every morning, and I'm grateful you're a God that never walks out on us. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you're a Savior that doesn't leave us or forsake us, and you don't give up on us, and your grace is greater than our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for our students who are at summer camp right now in Divide, Colorado. God, would you watch over our students? Would you give them a word, a life-changing word? And be with our uh, adult sponsors that are there. Give them strength because we know the nights are short. And uh, give them wisdom. And give them a surprising word 
for their life as well. Be with uh, our children and, and as they're in other rooms right now and they're learning about you, Jesus, and be with those awesome volunteers that are serving you, God, with their time and teaching children about you. Continue to be Lord of this church, Lord of our lives, and move in the heart of every person who's watching this message or, or listening to this message on podcast or whatever, wherever they're at, God, I pray that you move in the heart of every soul. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're in this uh, new series, and, uh, and um, you know, I, I was tempted, you know, to uh, call this series the, the GOAT, and uh, you know what GOAT stands for? Greatest of all time, right? That's what it stands for. Um, in, in our world today, we, we have, when we say, oh, he's the GOAT or she's the GOAT, that means she or he's the greatest. In the Bible, in Christianity, GOAT means something a little bit different. All right, it's those who aren't going to heaven, but uh, uh, God separates, or Jesus separates the sheep and the goats. But um, in our world, we have, we have conversations about what's the goat, right? I mean, you know, there's debate on whether it's LeBron or Jordan, right? Or, or Brady or Manning. <clears throat> Notice there's no Denver Bronco quarterback listed there. Um, Elon Musk, I think we're just attracted to someone who just takes risks, aren't we? I mean, there's a part of us that just thinks that's just pretty cool. Um, in Hebrews chapter one, is about the ultimate greatest of all time. So we're going to be going through Hebrews um, throughout the next, uh, throughout the summer, we're going to be going through Hebrews. And I love Hebrews. Hebrews is so unique. In fact, it's a letter that you find in the New Testament, but it's a different letter than all the other letters that you see in the New Testament. More normally when you see, like open up your Bible and you look at the New Testament and you read a letter, it kind of tells you who it's being written to and who it's from. But Hebrews is just like a sermon. There's no to and there's no from. And in fact, um, there's a mystery about who wrote it. Nobody know, really knows who, who wrote it. Uh, it was written between AD 65 and 95. Um, so what you need to know about this thing is, you know, the, the title is Hebrews, and it was written to people who were church-going people. There's some assumptions you can make as you look at this letter. Uh, the assumption is these people know the Old Testament, because whoever wrote Hebrews is like, like a gunslinger of Old Testament passages. They just keep throwing Old Testament passages and figures to the Hebrews. And there's this like inside knowledge that there's this assumption that they know the story in Genesis or they know the story in Leviticus. They know the story in Exodus. They know that story. So there's this big assumption that, yeah, you know the story about that. So when you look at Hebrews, you see Old Testament just scattered throughout the whole thing. And that's why. Um, the other thing you, you see in Hebrews here is um, it's something really, really unique in, in that these Hebrew Christians, these, these Jewish Christians, um, they were early Christians and they were going through a difficult time because it was uh, Nero who was the fifth emperor of Rome in the last Romes of, of, his, of his dynasty there. Uh, Nero was uh, one of Rome's most infamous emperors and he was known for his cruelty and debauchery. And he was in power in AD 54 and, and that was at the age of 16 and he died at the age of 30. So while these early Christians, while they were learning about Jesus and learning to walk by faith and, and, and learning just to be obedient with God, there's this backdrop of Nero. 
and Nero hated Christians. In fact, in July of 64 AD, there was this horrible fire in Rome. And this fire destroyed much of Rome. In fact, it even destroyed this church that was 800 years old. So this fire destroyed the, some of the best of Rome, and, and, and everybody blamed Nero. There was some suspicion that Nero himself set it on fire because he wanted to develop, wanted it to grow. But he hated Christians. So you know what he did? He blamed Christians for the fire. He turned the entire community against them, and he started persecuting Christians. They were nailed to crosses. They were literally set on fire for amusement. They were thrown into the dens of lions. And you see this happen. In fact, most people believe this is when Peter and Paul both died under persecution by Nero. So you have the, this, these Hebrews, these people who are saying, like, I, I want to I walk with God. I, I, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. He just rose from the, from the dead a few years ago. And they're learning to do that. But in the midst of this, there's this evil villain, this guy who's persecuted. His name is Nero. And, and what's happening, the Christians are now rethinking whether or not they want to be called a Christian. They're now rethinking, well, what about, I'm not sure if it's worth it. I'm not sure if it's worth it. This is a time right here when it costs something to be a Christian. It costs something to be a Christian. I mean, you didn't call yourself a Christian unless you were really a Christian. And today, it's just a little bit different, isn't it? I was talking to someone recently, and, I, and they asked me, what do I do for a living? And it's not something I typically share with people, but if they ask, I'll tell them. And I, I told them I'm a pastor. And then he said, oh, great. He said, he said I, I, I'm, a, I'm not a, how did he put it? He said, I'm not a believer. I'm a knower. I know God exists. He doesn't go to church anywhere. And I, and, uh, but I, I heard that, and I thought, that's an attitude a lot of people have. It's an attitude a lot of people have. Uh, we might throw out that, that uh, we're, we believe in God, when that might be something we throw out, or we might throw out that we're even a Christian, but it, it, the, the consequences of making those statements is not nearly as dire as it was when this letter of Hebrews was written. Not nearly. When, when they said, I'm a Christian, that meant there was a mark on their life. That meant they got put on, they were blacklisted. That meant there were people who didn't want to associate with them because their life could be in jeopardy as well. That meant they could be excommunicated. That meant they could be persecuted. They could be literally torched to death. That meant that they could be nailed to a wooden cross. That meant they could be murdered, and ultimately that meant they could die. So telling someone, I'm a Christian, that took a lot of guts. I mean, that took a lot of guts to say that. There were no such thing as nominal Christians during this day. There was no such thing as I go to church once every six months kinds of people. They just, either you were in it or you weren't. Either you were all in or you weren't. You were pregnant or you weren't pregnant. It was just like one of the two. You, you just, you just, it's where you were at. And uh, the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage these Jewish Christians, Hebrews, because they're thinking, you know what? Maybe it's not worth it. My cousin just lost his life. My uncle just lost his life. My, my aunt was thrown into, my, uh, my sister was just, uh, maybe it's not worth it. 
Maybe we should, th- we should just walk away and we can worship God in the privacy of our heart, in the privacy of our home, in the privacy of our life, and we don't have to tell anyone, let's just become this closet kind of God-fearing person, and let's just, you know, it's not worth it. So the writer of Hebrews hears this, and the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage these people to not walk away. Like, stay in it, stay in it. This is, you're, you're, you're on the, so what he decides to do in chapter one is all he does is focus on Jesus. All he does is focus on Jesus. You know, I, I didn't know Jesus my life, my whole life, not at all. But the day I discovered who Jesus was, it turned everything around. I saw my problems differently. I saw the way, uh, I saw my life differently. I saw everything about it. So we're, looking, we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter one, and I wanna just read this, uh, guys. Um, can you stand up with me here? And um, let's just stand up in honor of God's word. I think that's a good thing to do. Remember the backstory. You got Nero in the background, and you got these Hebrews who are trying to do the right thing, and, and, and they're becoming fearful. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Long ago, God spoke many times and in in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son. Today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like winds, like his servants like flames of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the son, in the beginning, Lord, You laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But but you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit 
salvation. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Open our eyes and give us soft hearts to receive it. Change us, transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, guys. Please be seated. Thanks for being a part of this. Isn't that incredible? Um, what I find interesting about this whole thing is you, you have to remember the backdrop. You remember, remember Hebrews are suffering persecution, losing their life, and, and, and you see that. And, um, and it's kind of like if, um, if you have a problem and you come to me and, and, you, and you say, yeah, this is my problem. I've got a marriage issue or I've got a financial issue and, you know, I've got this relationship issue or, you know, I, I've got, you know, whatever it is. And, I mean, how would you feel if instead of talking to you about your problem, all I talked to you about was Jesus? And I just started telling you, but Jesus is amazing. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is everything. He, he holds everything together, and he's worthy of all praise. You might think, did you hear what I just said? I've got a problem, and you're not talking about my problem. That's what's happening here. The writer is not talking to them about what they're going through. He's talking to them about who he is. Well, when I read that and the Lord just showed that to me, and I, I, I thought, okay, why is it, why is, I mean, like, did he hear the, does he know what's happening? Why is there, like, no strategy? Like, oh, all of you can travel over here and hide out, or you can travel over here, or here, arm yourself with swords, or you need to do, there's none of that talk. It's not about what, it's about who. And it's about the greatness of Jesus. And then it dawned on me as I looked at this passage, Maybe our anxiety over problems has more to do with our perspective than our problem. I'm going to say that again. Maybe our anxiety over problems has more to do with our perspective than our problem. See, they had a perspective problem. All they saw was Nero. All they saw was their problem. And I think that's human nature, don't you? When you go through something in life, all you do is you see that bank account. All you do is you see that person. All you do is you see that giant, that mountain, whatever it is. And I think that's where we naturally look at. But over and over in Scripture, you see this, this, this charge to fix your eyes on Jesus. Over and over, you see this charge to, okay, let me give you another perspective, a God perspective that you are not seeing, and you need to understand who Jesus is. Why is that? Well, Scripture tells us if he is for you, who can be against you? Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And if Jesus Christ is living inside of you, you have nothing to fear now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, I'm so glad you're at church. I'm so glad you're watching online. I just want to ask you, who are you leaning on and depending on? Is it someone greater than Jesus? Is it someone that you just, I mean, that, that is it highly elevated above Jesus? If it's not, and it's not, then you need to turn your eyes to Jesus, and I think most of our anxiety comes from fixating on problems too long and not looking at Jesus long enough. When we spend time looking at Jesus, it's amazing how Jesus is just able to take care of everything. The other thought I had is, isn't it possible to say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but we don't worship him every day? Isn't it possible to say, yep, I believe the Bible is, you know, sacred, and I believe it's special, and I believe it's God's word, and I believe all of that, but we don't 
read it every day. I mean, isn't it possible to even go to church and clap and worship and do all of those things, but you don't humble yourself? I mean, isn't it possible to say Jesus is a great teacher and his words might even be considered holy, but you don't apply any of his teachings to your life? Isn't it possible to say you love God, but you hate enemies? Isn't it possible to say, God, I, I want you to forgive me, and I'm so grateful for your grace, but we don't forgive others? Isn't it possible that we worship, quote unquote, this Jesus, but we don't really know his greatness at a transformational level. Isn't it possible? So I think the, biggest, the bigger question for us is this. Who's the greatest in your life? Really? I mean, if we just looked at your actions and your time and your money, I'm not talking about your intentions or saying the right thing because you're at church or you're listening, but who's the greatest in your life? Who is it? Some families, you know who they worship in their home? Their children. And whatever the children want, that's what they do. Some husbands, you know who they worship above all else? Their wife. And whatever she wants, that's what they'll do. Some women worship men. Some people just worship themselves. If you worship yourself, you always have money for yourself. You always have time for yourself. It's always about your agenda. Who's the greatest in your life? Well, the writer is saying, look, guys, who, here's the greatest in chapter one. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's the greatest. And if you look to him, everything else will fall into place. If you're not a Christian, then you rely on yourself, and Jesus wants you to rely on him. Here's what I want you to hear. This is why God brought you to church. Hear this. Jesus is greater than anything you'll face in your lifetime. Anything you'll face in your lifetime. He's greater than that problem you'll face. He's greater from that question you're wrestling with. He's greater than that doubt. He's greater than circumstances. He's greater than health conditions. Glory to God. He's greater than everything. And when you surrender to Jesus, he'll take care of everything. One of my questions as I was working through this was, all right, Lord, why? Felt like I was just pulled out of the game. I'm like, I, I, I felt like I was doing, I was a good place. I didn't have any sin in my knowledge in my life, intentional sin, certainly. And I was like, what is this about? I had a conversation I don't know, uh, um, Pastor, Pastor Nick and Pastor Jeremy would come over to the house every Monday. God bless them. And they would, uh, they would, they would just be with me, and I loved it. And I was so comfortable being with them. Um, and, uh, and during those days, especially when half of my face wasn't working, you know, people would just kind of like, like get really close and say, how are you doing? You doing all right? And they just like stare me down. I felt like I needed to charge them admission or something. And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing fine. But there was something about Jeremy and Pastor Jeremy and Nick just, just brought a lot of comfort. And then, and then about two weeks or so, Pastor Jeremy tells me something. He says, hey, I need to tell you this. Since this happened in your life, maybe it was more than two weeks. I don't remember Jeremy's a while back. But he said, I need to tell you this. He said, since you've been out, God has been using me. And God has been doing a work inside of me. And that work, really, it could not have been done the way it was done if God didn't pull me out of the game. Did you hear that? 
God had been doing a work inside of Pastor Jeremy. In the midst of all this, God pulls me out of the game and lets me, you know, sit over here. But God's at work over here. And I didn't know that. Yeah, you can put your hands together. I see that. And that was the first why that I heard that helped me understand why this was happening. It's like God just gave me a little bit glimpse. Sometimes God shows us what he's doing. But other times, God doesn't show us what he's doing. Sometimes we feel like this is happening over here, but we don't know what God is doing with his left hand, do we? Not always. But if you remain faithful and you trust God and you say, Jesus, I'm going to keep, I'm going to hold on to you, then, then God, by his grace, many times he shows us. When Pastor Jeremy told me this, I was like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Will you hurry up and learn your lesson so I can get out of this mess? You know, that's what I told him. I just, I just so, I was truthfully, I was so happy. Genuine joy. And I told Pastor Jeremy, if the reason for me going through this was for you, glory to God. That's where I'm at. If all this was so that my brother would be encouraged in his intimate places with the Lord, glory to God. I'll take that. It's okay. I'll take that. Jesus is greater than anything you'll face in your lifetime. I like what N.T. Wright says. It's not great faith you need. It's faith in your great God. That's what it is. I was reading in the back of the room, and, and I came across a scripture verse that, that talked about boasting. And it says you shouldn't boast in your might or you shouldn't boast in your strength. You should boast that you understand and know God. That's what you should boast about. That you understand and know God. See, because if you really believe that Jesus is the greatest in your life, I mean, if you really believe Jesus is the greatest Person, the greatest human to ever walk this planet. I mean, he, he was fully divine and he's the greatest and he's the son of God and he sits on the right-hand side of the throne and he holds all the cosmos together. And if you really believe that Jesus is worthy of your praise and you say, even say, he is your savior, then it changes everything. It changes the way you treat others. It changes the way you treat your neighbor. It changes the way you treat your ex. It changes the way you treat your enemies. It changes the way you live a life of truth. No more little white lies. No more gray lies. I'm just going to live a life of truth. I'm going to be honest with people when they say something. During this whole um, thing that I went through, I was talking to my neighbor, and, and uh, I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but I, uh, I lied just a little bit to him. We were talking about something, and I can tell his feelings were being hurt, so I thought, I'm not going to share this with him, because it was about him, and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. That was my logic there. I just didn't want to hurt his feelings. And he was a sweet man, and it was, he was going through a lot. And I thought, I, I'm not going to share that with him. So he asked me a direct question, and my answer 
wasn't complete. You, you know what I mean? You know, the best lies are 98% true, right? Those are the best lies. And he, he asked me this question. I'm being a little vague. Just roll with me here. Well, that night, I went home, and it was bothering me like I had a kidney stone, a spiritual kidney stone inside of me. It was, I talked to Grace. I think you were out of town, baby, or something like that. And I told her how much it was bothering me. And I'm like, I got to get this. And I went to bed praying, and I had a hard time sleeping at night. I kept waking up thinking, and, and you know what the Lord kept telling me? Reuben, live a life of truth, not even a little lie. Don't become comfortable with it. Don't let it in your life. Don't learn to deceive. Don't learn to lie. Don't learn any of that stuff. This stuff's not even in my notes, guys. I'm, this is all just free. And, and I, I, I heard that, and, and I said, okay, Lord. And the next morning, I kept looking out my window to see if he was outside. I'm, I was like, I need to get right with this guy, and I need to go tell him exactly what happened. And if he's angry at me, that's okay, but at least I know I'm living a life of truth before God. And I eventually saw him outside, and I went over there, and I talked to him, and we had a great conversation. And I just felt like I lost another... 30 pounds or something. And I was like, oh man, this is so good. This is so good. And when you, when you really say, okay, Jesus, you're the greatest in my life, you look at every area of your life and how you work with people and how you deal with people. And, and you, you know, you're always concerned because you know your Lord is watching you. And he's the one that you want to hear applause from. You want to hear applause from him. And you want to worship him. And you want to live a life that's pure and blameless before him. And he's the only one that matters. It changes everything. Sometimes the Jesus that you talk about is different from the Jesus that you walk with. And people see that. Sometimes people say, yep, I'm a Christian. Or, yep, I go to church. And you look at their life and you're like, really? You know what I'm talking about? I said this a while back. Sometimes I look at people's lives and they call themselves a Christian and I'll just be honest with you, I don't want anything to do with their Jesus. I don't, it's not attractive to me at all. It's not attractive to me at all. It's the greatness of Jesus. Verse one said, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. Then what does it say? Through the, through the prophets. And verse two says, and now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. Say that with me, through his son. So one thing about Hebrews that you need to understand is it's like a storyline. It's a storyline from the Bible, the Old Testament, and it goes all the way through. And in Hebrews, what he's saying is, okay, here's the new revised storyline. It all points to Jesus. Jesus deserves a spotlight. So like in the, in, and when you think about it in the Old Testament, well, Prophets were used to talk to others about sin. Prophets were used to, to proclaim a word from the Lord. I mean, prophets were not the kind, prophets, oh, my, my, my lips like starting to slow down. Uh, prophets were not the kind of uh, people that you would invite to your birthday party. You don't want a prophet in your birthday party because, you know, they're going to say something <laughs> that's just, you know, you don't want to hang out with a prophet you know, at 16th Street. You don't want to do any of that stuff. I mean, prophets were just voices of God. Very lonely people, <laughs> you could say. And they had this word from the Lord and they would share with others. And now scripture says, well, now Jesus is the word of the Lord, literally. And now he's the new prophet, the old prophet. So God's not going to use prophets. Now he's going to speak through his son, Jesus. Verse 2, 2 and 3 are so powerful. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Wow. 
The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor in the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Here's some incredible facts about these just few verses. One is this. God appointed Jesus to inherit everything. The inheritance of the Son of God is not limited to the earth. It embraces the universe and the world to come. The other thing is God made the universe through Jesus. The Greek word for universe right here means ages. It literally means the whole universe of space and time. God made the universe through Jesus. And number three is this, Jesus radiates God's glory. Another, another word for glory here is brightness. It literally means to flash forth, flash forth. And the idea behind radiating God's glory, it's not like, uh, it's not like uh, um, you know, these beautiful lights behind me, you know, they're, they're shining and they're, and they're plugged in and, and this kind of thing. It really needs the power for it to work. If the power's not there, the lights aren't on. This verse right here tells us that the very light of God, the very glory of God is inside of Jesus and it's a part of him and you can just see his glory is coming through Jesus and it's in him. Remember Jesus said, me and my father are one, I and my father are one. And that's what this, this verse right here means is that, that he radiates God's glory. The fourth thing is he's the very image of the character of God. It means he bears the very stamp of God's nature. If you want to know who God is, all you have to do is look at Jesus. If you want to know the character of God, all you have to do is look to Jesus. Because who Jesus is, is who God is. Number five, Jesus holds everything together by his word. Everything together by his word. He just speaks it, comes into existence, and his word is so strong, he can hold things together just merely by saying a word. Our words are not that strong, are they? But there's nothing like the word of our Lord Jesus. When I was, uh, when I was in my, my little journey here, God spoke to me with his word, and I have to share this with you. Psalm 18, the Lord showed this to me. It says, for who is God except the Lord? But who but our God is a solid rock? And, and, and God arms me with strength, and he makes, me, makes my way perfect. And look at verse 33. This is what the Lord showed me. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. That meant something to me. I thought about that. You ever see those pictures of those, those goats standing on the edge of, of cliffs and, and just how they're able to scale? And I, I'm always in amazement, like how God created them to do that. And I look at this verse, and I, I think, oh, the Lord spoke to me and, and said, Reuben, I'm going to make you as sure-footed as a deer. I'm going to make you be able to run and, and, and leap. And, and, and the, uh, the height thing, you know what I'm hearing right there? No dizziness. That's what I'm hearing, no dizziness. That's what I'm hearing, no dizziness. And see, the word of God is so powerful. When you come to church and you hear a word from the God, that's what we want. That word will change your perspective of life. Some of you need to hear this. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. God loves you. It's not too late. God wants to do a miracle in your life. Some of you need to hear that and hold on to that word, and that God will use it to change you. And I love the other thing this, this passage says. It says, Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. Glory to God. 
That's the power of the blood of Christ. And there's the gospel message right there. God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message. And then it says Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. After you work hard, what's the thing you want to do? Sit down, right? Just something about sitting down. And right here, priests didn't normally sit down in the Old Testament. Priests didn't sit down. They were always working. But Jesus sat down after he rose from the grave. It was complete. It was complete. Here's what all this means. Jesus is greater than your problems, than your worries, than your unknowns, than your health issues. He's greater than all that. And then sometimes the Lord just, like I want to share with you um, something the Lord showed me because it affects you. Well, the first one didn't. He showed me three dreams. These three dreams I had within like two weeks after I got out of the hospital. And I'm not a big dreamer guy, but I, uh, this was pretty unique. The first one was a really personal thing. It was about three or four days after I was in the hospital. I think I, I know I told my wife. And I, I, in my dream, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was smiling ear to ear. And you saw every tooth in my mouth. I mean, it was just a huge smile in my face. And I, I was like completely normal. And it was only, I mean, I saw myself in the mirror and I woke up and I knew right there that it's going to be okay. I just knew right there it's going to be okay. And then it gets better. The next couple of nights, I have another dream. And I didn't know anything about it. But in this dream, it was a theater, like a big theater. And, but it was a church service. And I walked, I was there, and I was, I was about to speak. And this was before the service began. I remember just a lot of architecture. It felt a little bit like Brooklyn Tab, if you've ever been to Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. But I, I, there were people everywhere, and there was no room to even sit down. The, uh, and and well, here's what I want, to, I want you to hear. When you sensed the presence and the glory of God, it was so thick. And the crazy thing about it is the worship hadn't even started. And I was in the back with the mic. I hadn't even walked up. You just sensed the presence of God as soon as you walked into the room. People were just talking, but you can feel it, cut it, cut it like a knife. And the next couple of nights, I had another dream. And this dream was a really big open space. And we were in like a warehouse kind of thing. And again, all the chairs are full. And again, I was in the back again. And I was watching. And again, it was before the worship service even started. It was before the band was playing. And I felt the presence of God in such a powerful way. Such a powerful way. I've only felt the presence of God like that maybe a handful of times. I mean, it was so real. The atheist would have walked in and felt that. And I woke up and the Lord spoke to me. And here's what I want to say to you. God wants to display more of his glory at Thorn Creek Church. God wants to display more of his glory at Thorn Creek Church. And let me take it a st another step. God wants to display more of his glory in your life. In your life. All you've got to do is humble yourself. I think about church, what an honor we get to come together and worship the King of Kings. The one who Hebrews chapter 1 describes. The knowledge alone is not enough. Jesus is greater. 
And when you discover the greatness of Jesus at a personal level, it changes your entire life. It changes everything. I want to talk to you about these next 12. Um, <clears throat> we're going to, let me, let me just share with you. I want you to pray. We're asking the entire church, and if you're just joining us today, you're a part of the church. If you're just watching online, you're a part of the church. We are in the middle of a movement of the Lord. And the Lord wants to do a work here. God wants to show his glory and God wants to use this church to minister to the community in a new, fresh way. God wants to use this church to bring people in who don't know him to find his love, to find his grace. God wants to use this church to increase the population of heaven. God wants to use this church to reach out to that woman who's been abused or that man who is full of pride or he's an atheist or whatever it is. God wants to use this church to minister to souls. And let me show you how he's moving. We're calling it the next 12. And we're asking everyone to pray for the next 12. Now specifically, it starts July 2022 through June 2023. These 12 months are critical for you and for me and for Thorn Creek Church. Here's what's happening in these next 12 months. We're in July, we're starting a new lease here in this building. We're leasing this building. We have three more options uh, or two more options, I guess, to continue leasing after this. But we're, we're in July, we're doing this. Now, in December, December 15, Lord willing, <laughs> we are closing on our property on December 15, okay? That's a big deal. If you're wondering, if you're thinking, what property are you talking about? We have 15 acres behind Cabela's and we're selling that. And the whole purpose behind selling it is we want to retrofit, we want to buy a building and we want to retrofit it and use that building to feed the hungry, to continue to be the church, and we have all kinds of other ministries that we're, we're, we're planning on doing and you're gonna hear about. So what that means though, is we need God to move. We wanna, we wanna find a building you know, between now and the next three months if we could, because it takes a while for all the entitlement process and everything to go through. So what that means is, Lord willing, we close December 15, and we have that money, and what we're doing is we're gonna take that money and retrofit a building, but we still don't know where we're going to be. My prayer has always been, God, strategically places where we can make the biggest impact for your kingdom. That's where I wanna be. Wherever we can make the biggest impact for the kingdom of God. So we need to find a place, and we're also, we're also gonna be looking. So there is a possibility, you never know. There's a possibility we could be moving out as early as July, 2023 from this space right here. You hear that? A year. And it could happen a little bit after July, it just depends on how God moves. But I want you to know God is moving right in front of you. God is moving right in front of you. And we're gonna do our part as a church to lift up the name of Jesus because Jesus is everything. And I want you to hear this, you are a part of this church. This church needs you. You make this church stronger and better by being here and serving. We need you. So that's what we need you to do. And we're calling it Next 12. So you're gonna see this billboard or you're gonna hear this phrase, 
for the next 12 months. Pray for our next 12. Pray for our next 12. Pray for our next 12. And that's what it's referring to. So would you just make a commitment to pray? We have a Thorn Creek time that we call Thorn Creek Hour. It's 3.20 p.m. 3.20. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. So maybe set an alarm at 3.20 and say a prayer. Or pray at night or pray in the morning, whatever. Let's ask God to move in just a supernatural way. And this whole journey, you know, I, I look at the life of the Hebrews in chapter one and, and, and they just focus on Jesus. And, and I'll tell you what, I was alone at my house and, and it must have been, um, I was in a dark place. I was in a dark place, I'll tell you that. I was working through all kinds of questions. You know, and when this thing happened in my face, well, for me, much of, of my living has to do with a spotlight and it has to do with a camera. That's my living. I never wanted that, just to be clear. I never wanted a spotlight, I never wanted a camera. But the Lord has put me here and, and I'm, I'm called now just to be faithful. I was in a really tough place. It was really weird. <clears throat> I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to stop preaching, just make it clear to me. That's what I told him. If you want me to resign, I'll do that, Lord, whatever you want. If you want me to walk away from, you know, serving you like this, I'm willing to do it, Lord. I, I, again, I'm in the dark and I don't know. After I said that prayer, like within two weeks, I got these calls. I got a call to preach in Oregon at a men's retreat that, in, that includes about 75 churches. Go and speak in Oregon. And I, I, I was talking to the guy and I told him, well, look, I'm going through this. And he said, he said, Reuben, we want you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I was like, at that time I could barely move. And I'm like, I'll do it. You know, it was like that. It was like, yeah, I could barely do it. And then I get another call from Missouri. A pastor friend of mine is going on a sabbatical and they said, Reuben, we want you to come and preach at our church. You think it was coincidental? I get, then I got an email from a friend of mine who has a ministry in Frankfurt, Germany, and he wants me to be a part of it, and, wants us to, and, and he wants me to be involved teaching it and all this. And do you think it's not? The Lord heard my prayer and said, Reuben, you're, I'm, not, I'm not done. In fact, I'm turning it up. And all of a sudden, I got these calls out of the blue and I was in my in my bedroom and I didn't understand the why yet. Uh, Pastor Jeremy hasn't told me didn't tell me his why um, I didn't know that I'm still working through it but there was a point there was a point in my bedroom and um, I uh, oh I was in a tough place but I, I lifted up my hands and and I said Jesus, I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm going to trust you in my life. I'm not going to let go. I don't care what happens. I'm going to hold on to you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm not going to let you go. And that was the moment that changed my perspective. You know what I'm talking about? 
when you go through stuff and you're like, you know what? I don't know why I'm going through this. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why, but I'm going to hold on, Jesus. I'm going to hold on. You with me, guys? Some of you need to do that. Came to church and you need to do that. You need to say, I'm going to choose to hold on because Jesus is the greatest. And he is. And he loves you. And he cares about you. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. If you're ready to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, the greatest Savior you could ever meet, would you just say this right where you're at? Have your head bowed down and your eyes closed wherever you're at, whether you're online or here in person, and would you just invite Jesus into your life right now and just say this? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me. Cover me with your blood. And Lord, I pray that you make me new again. Remove even the stain of my sin. I choose to walk with you by faith. I choose to become a Christian right now. So be my Lord and Savior. Others of you might need to say this. Jesus, you're the greatest. And I'm not going to look at my problem anymore. I'm going to look at you. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know you and I want to understand you. I give you my home. I give you my past. I give you the hurt. I give you the pain. Some of you need to give yourself, some of you need to give your husband to the Lord. Or give your wife or give your friend to the Lord. Whatever it is, focus on Jesus. He's everything. He's everything. And right now, Jesus, we look at you and, and, and we just worship you. You take care of our problems in life. You take care of all of the unknowns. And we're going to hold on to you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.